0: All right, well, let's go back to Romans chapter 13. This morning I mentioned that this evening I would be finishing up this passage. And the title of the message tonight is to make not provision for the flesh. Uh, this morning, the title of the message was to wake up, knowing that it is high time to wake out of sleep, for our day of our salvation is nearer than when we believed. And this this passage concludes with the thought, make not provision for the flesh. But let's go ahead and read uh, these verses once again. Romans 13, verse 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day not in writing and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. As we consider this thought to not make provision of the flesh, I want to begin in verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in writing and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Let's just consider as we work through this verse, first the thought of walking honestly. He says, walk honestly as in the day. What does that mean? Honestly here means decently. It's not so much what you would normally think of as honest would be to be truthfully. Now we are to walk truthfully. Don't be a hypocrite. Walk honestly. But really the The main meaning of this particular uh, passage in the word honest is walk decently, as in the day. To walk decently, when we think of this, I think of Titus. If you turn over to Titus chapter 2, soberly. To walk decently, to walk soberly. In Titus chapter 2, in verse 12, it says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, so this is, a, this is really a parallel passage to what we're reading in, in Romans 13, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you really consider, it's like in reverse order. This morning it talked about the day of our salvation is at hand, and we considered what that is. In this passage, he says that we should deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep this in mind, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts as we continue through the message. But I want to focus right now on what Paul says here, to live soberly, righteously, and godly. And then he says, in this present world. What was their present world in the Roman Empire? See, a lot of people think that situational ethics, uh, maybe... Based on what society, um, you know, a lot of times people say, well, it was different back then. And what we're dealing with today is different. You have to understand and, and so forth. But Paul says that to live de- uh, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. What was the present world? What was the conditions like in Paul's time? Well, it was in the Roman Empire. Now, we know that that was a holy a right. holy thing, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, that was one of the most wicked times. Even, the, even Israel, the, the world that Jesus came into was horrible. He came into the world at a very, very dark time in history. Yeah. And uh, the, the Greeks had overrun the world and brought in all their uh, vain philosophies and, and all these things. And then you mix that culture with the Roman culture and pagans were the majority. Uh, paganism was was uh, what most people uh, followed after. Rioting and open immorality was the norm. Uh, Paul talks about in Romans, writing to Rome, he says, walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, not in drunkenness, uh, not in chambering and wantonness and so forth. Well, when you read history and you understand, maybe you watch a documentary on the Roman Empire and what life was like in the city of Rome, think about the town that he was actually writing to Rome, the heart of the Roman Empire, where they had the Colosseums and and they had the gladiators and they had blood sport and um, the things that people did for entertainment. And just the, the rotten immorality and open drunkenness and just the society that they lived in, Christians and godly living was such stark contrast to that, wasn't it? And uh, they had the Olympics, they had their sports, um, they had their theaters, they had their acting. A lot in a lot of the cities like Ephesus and, and so forth where we see that uh, Paul and them, they were, they were brought to the, the theater, the amphitheater. And all the major cities back then um, had these huge arenas and uh, they had acting and they, they played out things and, and uh, it was just entertainment. And, uh, and, of course, as I've already mentioned, they had the vain philosophies of men. And they were instructed, and he, when he was writing to Titus, he said that they should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Well, let's fast forward to our world. The world that we live in today is different than it was in the 1800s in America. If you look at just what we deal with, um, if you go, let's just pick a year like 1820. In 1820, there was no such thing as evolution, right? That's a, that's a modern a modern invention of men, right? It started with one man, and then just developed and so forth. It's a theory of evolution. Um, people didn't have to deal with that. The concept that there was a creator God, oh, even if people didn't believe in Jesus Christ, they didn't have a problem with that. As I mentioned last week, even a lot of pagans, most pagan religions, most religion believes in a creator God. Um, but we have, to, we have to battle things that in schools and so forth. People are raised in a culture in which we, we came from monkeys and so forth. So that's the present world that we're living in. Um, in, in America today, um, back then, they, they had problems with uh, drunkenness. Drunkenness has always been a problem. But when we talk about um, the abuse of pharmaceuticals, we talk about the abuse of drugs, we live in a different world than 1820, don't we? Um, it used to be that there was a problem um, uh, with uh, methamphetamines and uh, um, and opium type based drugs were were an issue early on, even in the 1900s. Um, but then lately, haven't we got into designer drugs? You know, and you've got stuff like ecstasy. You've got um, uh, all these uh, uh, prescription drugs. Um, that doctors just prescribe and hand out like candy. If you if you have a little uh, a mental boo boo or you know some emotional problems, they just hand it out like candy. And then um, uh, we've got now this these horrible problems with fentanyl. And a lot of things that are chemically and scientifically produced. And we have a serious, serious addiction problem in this country, don't we? Yeah. We have people who are dying from these kind of things. We live in a different world than 1820. And uh, oh, we have partying and riotous living uh, like really never before. It's even beyond what it was in the Roman times. Um, sold out stadiums for concerts. Um, The wealthiest and most popular people of our society are the actors and the athletes. There's a lot of parallels to the Roman times, but in a lot of ways, I think that we're worse. Um, The corruption, the the things, the lust of the flesh, and all these things are so much more readily available than they were even in 1970. Um, You have the internet, you have social media, you got Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. All these things where all the things that you shouldn't be looking at are just right there. They just pop up. You don't have to search for things. They just go off of what it looks like you tend to like, and they just feed you automatically. I mean, the world that we live in is becoming worse and worse. Sexual immorality is the norm. There's less people, less than half of people who get married stay married. Um, The number of people who um, don't get married at all, because what's the point? After all, everybody that they know has been gotten divorced. Uh, my wife and I were talking that since we've been married, we just went down to a wedding in Colorado, so we're reflecting on these things. And, and since we got married, the people that got married around when we did, we don't know of anybody who's still married. And you know, we uh we just had our we just had our anniversary, and they hear you know we're teenagers in our in our you know wedding, you know our anniversary. And uh, people are like, they, they act like, how long have you been married? And you say, and they're like, well, wow, that's amazing. Now, I guess what else would they say? But, I mean, but the reality, though, is it should be, oh, you've been married 60 years, 50 years for, wow. Wow, congratulations. If you made it 15 years, that's not, I mean, that's not even long enough for your kids to grow up. But it's like, oh, wow, you've been married that long? I mean, we live in... Our society, this is our present world that we're living in. And in this world, it doesn't matter what the generation is like, what the society is like. It is expected that in this present world, we ought to live soberly, righteously, and godly. There's never going to be a time that God changes His standard. There's never going to be a time that... Two gay people getting married is going to be okay, just because right. it's normal. Right. Um, it's never going to be acceptable that people get married five times. Yeah. It wasn't acceptable to Jesus with the woman of Samaria, and it's never going to be acceptable and ever. That's just God has His holiness; is His Amen. holiness. It is what it is. And this book is never going to change. There's not going to be any amendments made to it. I don't care what the Vatican Council decides. That You know, they, they keep modifying this and that and what's acceptable and not. And it's like, no, no this is what it is. So, um, So anyway, in this, we are to live holy, live righteously, soberly in this present world. He says in verse 13, let us walk honestly, and then he says, as in the day. Walk honestly, as in the day. As though you're walking in the light as he is in the light. Right? In in 1 John. We could develop develop this and preach two or three messages on what it is to walk in the light. Did you notice that up in verse 12, uh, in the verses that we were looking at this morning, he says... I don't recall, I didn't do a search, but I don't recall it termed this way in any other passage. But he's talking about how we're to cast off the works of darkness. And he says, and let us put on the armor of light. Hmm. Right? We came, the night is far spent. Let us cast off the works of darkness. There's a picture here. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting and so forth. Walking in the day, as though your behavior is beholden, nothing to hide. Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he said that men love uh, darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, right? Um, most of the wickedness and immorality, a lot of the things, the writing and drunkenness and a lot of the things that we talked about, a lot of crime, burglary, <laughs> I mean, you name it, a lot of things are just done under cover of night. It's always been that way and it always will be that way. Um, But uh, people like to sin and keep it hidden a lot of times if they have some kind of conscience at all. There's some people who don't have a conscience and they don't care, but um, we're to live as though there's nothing to hide. Not immoral. Um, If married, live happily married and live faithfully. If single, live with that opportunity to serve God. Without distraction, as Paul talks about, I won't take time to read it, but in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, he talks about, he says, he says it by permission, but he says, I would that all men could live even as I do. Why, why is that? Oh, um, I mean, God created man uh, to be with a woman and, and vice versa, but Paul is speaking by permission. One of the things is if he says, speaking of widows and uh, people who are single is, oh... Um, that if you can, if you can handle it, and you can do so without living in sin, it's advantageous because you have such a great opportunity to serve the Lord without distraction. And so there's opportunity there. But live is in the day. And then, you know, as Christians, it should it should go without saying, isn't it sad that Paul, I mention this kind of thing a lot, but I think it's sad that our human condition is so sorry <laughs> that constantly in the word of god we're told not to do some very serious things he says not in rioting it seems pretty obvious that we shouldn't be involved in stuff in drunkenness and and all of these things uh as christians don't go to parties and get caught up in worldly affairs the things that where rioting can take place um I think I could pretty confidently say you're not going to find me in an Antifa rally, <laughs> right? Wearing a helmet and a shield and taking up a political cause, even if, 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 even for, I'll say this, even for the conservatives who want to go out there and act like thugs, because there are some thug-like um, people on both sides, right. okay? And um, don't get caught up in that worldly right. way of thinking, Um, We have a cause that is, I'm not against being uh, politically motivated in certain things. But things should also be done decently. And we have a testimony as Christians. And we have no business in rioting and uh, things like that. Um, Don't be found on social media doing something that would shame your church. Right. You know? Um, Like walking around half naked on a public beach. There's, there's Christians and people in Baptist churches that I've seen it. And, you know, you see these kind of things where it's like, what are you doing? You know, you're going down to the ocean and, and, and posting pictures that you wouldn't, you wouldn't go over and meet someone in your church that way, right? Why? But as Christians, we have to be told not to do some of this stuff. Because I mean Paul's writing and telling them not to do it, and in our generation, in our present world, it's unfortunate, but from the pulpit you actually have to tell people don't do things live as in the day. Yes. And um and if you don't and if you don't think that there's a problem with doing and posting that, then there's some deeper issues yes. there. But you know, don't be posting on um on Facebook, you know, you with someone else Uh, holding up a couple glasses of beer and toasting each other or or, or wine and things like that. I've heard of things like that being an issue. Um, And, uh, you know, I would like to think that you won't ever find my truck parked in front of a sports bar or any other nightclub, you know. Um, You're not going to find my truck with my Bayview license plate, right, custom plate. Parked out here at state line at one of those joints, right? No, we're not supposed to live as in the day. And so uh, walk and live as though Jesus Christ, or perhaps a fellow church member walked up to you. If they walked up to you abruptly, suddenly, you wouldn't have anything to blush about. Like, oh, hey, you know, how's it going? Um, If Christ walked up to you on the job site... And you were just hard at work; you would have nothing to hide, right? Um, If Jesus knocked on your door at home and you were in the middle of cooking dinner, Kathy, nothing to hide, right? There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Live as in the day. Live everything that you do as though, because let's face it, the Lord does know, right? Right. That's right. And live as though your fellow Christian showed up. You're not going to be a stumbling block to him. And you have to explain away what it is that you're doing. If Jesus walked up to your house, could he hear the bass bumping from some rap song by Tupac or Snoop Dogg or some secular, you know, I mean, think about how ridiculous this is. But some Christians don't have enough sense to know that they shouldn't be living like that and listening to that you know, whatever secular music it is that you prefer, oh, that has the bad lyrics in the whole nine yards, would you be okay if Jesus walked up to your house while you were bumping Tupac? You would be diving, you would just be diving and scrambling for the volume, right? What if he walked up and heard you yelling at your wife or your kids or your neighbor like they were some dog, Mm. Right? There's a lot of things that we could go into that we need to live as in the day. There has been many a Christian family, even preacher's families, that they have a home life that is nothing like the one that's portrayed in public. The husband and wife are not walking decently as in the day a lot of times. Let us walk decently, honestly, as in the day. And then he goes on, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. He so simply says that what we should not be doing, rioting, drunkenness, immorality, sleeping around, living like an animal, wantonness, what is wantonness? It's no self-control or moderation, excess. And then he mentions strife and envying. And then verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. What does it mean? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to give me some feedback to tell me what that means, what comes to your mind when it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Put on the attributes of Christ. Be Christ like. Be holy as he is holy. Much scripture tells us of what to avoid and tells us what to put on. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Writing to the Corinthians, he mentions this. Writing to the Galatians, the Ephesians, and so forth. And we could go to any of these, Romans, etc. But let's go to Colossians. To me, this is so clear in this passage. And I want to read more than what I've got down here. So Colossians chapter 3. We'll just begin reading. We're going to focus on verses 10. But uh, Colossians 3 and verse 1. I'm in Corinthians. Hold on. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members. These are the things that you're to put to death. Cut them completely out of your life. Your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And then let's focus on these verses. What we put on. We're considering what does it mean to put on Christ. Well, here he says, put on. Oh, uh, he says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And then here's these characteristics, these qualities, these, these things that we're supposed to put on. Uh, bowels of mercy kindness humbleness of mind meekness long-suffering forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as christ forgave you so also do ye do ye and above all these put on charity which is the bond of perfectness and let the peace of god rule in your hearts to the which also you're called in one body and be thankful we'll stop reading right there but When we consider this, what it is that we're to put on and putting on Christ. In Romans, uh, Paul says, put on Christ. Here he says in verse 10, I lost my, couldn't read my own notes. Um, He says in verse 10, put on the new man, but then notice this, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him, That created him. Who created us? God. Who spoke the world into existence? The word who became flesh according to John 1. Jesus Christ. And so the more we put on the characteristics laid out. We're putting on the characteristics of our Savior. And we become more and more like him. As we put on the things that he says to put on. The things that are not according to the old man, but he says, and we have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And so these are the things that we're to add to our to our life. They don't come by nature. It's not natural, right? Too many times people make an excuse for what they did is, well, it's only natural, It's only natural that I'm going to want to do that. That's the problem (laughs) most of the time. (laughs) Um, The the easiest path is not usually the right one. Um, We don't have to figure out what God might or might not be pleased with. That's what this book is for, right? It's not for us to try to figure out how we ought to live. What we're supposed to do is know a little something about the Word of God and just do what He says to do. And when I say just do what he says to do, it's not like it's that easy. (laughs) But we have what we're told to do. We just need to do what we're told. And so we don't have to figure it out. Remove. Begin by removing what he says to remove. Stop doing those things. You used to do them. You used to blaspheme. You used to have anger problems and be full of wrath and malice. and, And all these things that he says that we're to put off... Put them off, and then put on what we've been told to put on. Think about it this way. There is not one thing that we're instructed to put on that cannot be found in the person of Jesus Christ. If you think about that, the bowels of mercy, you find that in Jesus. Long-suffering. You find that in our Savior. You find that in God the Father. You find that in the Holy Spirit. Every single one of these things, if you read down through there, you find meekness, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. All these things. Charity. Those are all what we find in our Savior. So when you put those on, you are putting on the Lord Jesus Christ in that way. And finally, in conclusion, he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. This can be one of the hardest things about all of this. Sometimes we make things hard on ourselves because we know what we're supposed to do. We desire to not sin, but then we put ourselves in situations in which sin is right at the door, right? And temptation is right there because we're not nipping things in the bud. Uh, don't make provision for the flesh, don't feed the flesh. You can't dabble on the fringes of sin and expect to have victory over temptation and sin. You're flirting with it, just riding the edge. Don't we like to just ride the edge as, as much as possible? And because we still want to, the natural man still wants to, feed the flesh and so there's this battle in us and too many times we're we're right over here on the fringe and don't feed the flesh there's just i'll just read three passages here um second timothy 2 uh, writing to a young preacher he says flee also flee also youthful lusts but follow righteousness faith charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. James 4. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw an eye to you. As I as I think about this, I think about our responsibility to It's kind of hard to put into words, but we have a responsibility to draw. It's like God is there to rescue us, to help us, to aid us. But when we insist on living our way, He's not going to help us, right? It starts with submit yourselves Amen. to God, Amen. draw nigh to God and he will draw an eye to you. In the most secular, basic example I can think of is <clears throat> when I was in prison, there was more on one, more than one occasion there would be a bully, is the only way I could think of it, a cellmate of somebody, just a, a horribly mean, wicked person, and this person was living in extreme fear. And we would tell them, if you stand up for yourself... One time, and there will, be, there will be three or four of us, and I've been in these conversations and telling the, the guy, if you just stand up for yourself one time, we've got your back. We will come in, and we will fight for you, and that will never happen to you again. But you have to at least stand up to him one time. And I feel like that's how an example, and most of the time they wouldn't because they were too afraid to stand up because... It was, it was, it's a horrible situation, but <clears throat> we're going to go in and risk ourselves, risk punishment ourselves, protecting someone who wasn't willing to try to fight for himself. And um, maybe that's not a good example, but I think here, submit yourselves to God. Draw an eye to God, and he will draw an eye to you. Yes. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Here you have the devil coming at you. And the devil is incredibly, we can't even fully understand everything, the magnitude of him. But it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so I picture kind of that same same scenario in that way. We have a responsibility to fight sin. We have a responsibility to stand up for ourselves. We need to rely on the Lord to, to help us. But the reality is, is we are responsible to fight sin. To flee sin. And then um, to not make provision for the flesh. There's all these things that we are responsible for. In 1 Thessalonians 5, this is the last passage I'll read. Abstain. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 Abstain from all appearance of evil. Just the appearance of evil. Abstain from it. And then notice this. What it says about God. So here's our responsibility, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a lot of work to do, don't we? We have a lot to work on on ourselves. Oh, we often think of serving the Lord as what we do for the church what can I do in my community to serve the Lord how can I serve the Lord what is God's will for my life we think that proving ourselves to God is by being a member of a church that has a better statement of faith than the one down the street but we have a responsibility to clean house first individually put on Christ be holy and then go from there If we don't do that as individuals, if we are not careful as individuals, we can become whited sepulchers like the Pharisees who see what's wrong with everyone else, while on the inside they're full of ravening and wickedness. As we looked at this morning, children of darkness, performing deeds of darkness, and so forth. Let's conclude this evening by reading the scripture from this morning. And this evening, once again, from beginning to end. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. All right, let's go ahead and stand and close our service in a word of prayer.